Good morning. Wow, what an honor for me to be here with you all today. This is a beautiful place. I'm glad they brought those shades down. That way you're not looking out. I would be. I would be. I, oh, my goodness. I, I was telling Greg, I'd love to come, even if I'm not pastor here, just to office here and spend the whole day looking out there. It's gorgeous. Uh, I'm really glad to be here. It is, it is an honor. I've been in uh, Austin for starting my fifth year. I've lived all over Texas. Rio Grande Conference covers all the way up, used to cover all the way up, New Mexico, Dallas, everything. So lived in a lot of places, but first time in Austin. And I've fallen in love with Austin. Just recently found the Oasis. <clears throat> but I found the Oasis because um, going on about two months ago, I started uh, dancing. Anybody here dance? Raise your hand if you dance. Yeah, everybody's real hesitant about raising their hand. What's he going to say? Uh, salsa. Tango. I just started tango last week. Uh, Two-step? Well. <laughs> I am Latin. I have to dance the Latin dance. So the, the, the salsa is a lot of fun. It requires a lot of stuff, tango too. But, you know, I got it easy. I'm the guy. <laughs> I just stand there. I'm having a blast. Uh, there's, there's one thing that uh, I learned through these dances and that's that, wow, you women are to be admired. I have a dance partner. Uh, she's taller than I am. Um, and she's, she's quite strong. Was many, many years ago a dancer. And, and so we were learning salsa together, and then she said, catch me. And she threw her out, and then she comes spinning back and shoo. Wow. And she loves to do that. So she'll come spinning, and mid-turn, I've got her waist, and I catch her before she hits the floor. <laughs> and then she actually told me, lower. i got to catch her lower. I don't know how you do that. I couldn't do that. No way. Now, add to that, that everything I'm doing, she's doing backwards. Wow. And with a tango, and in high heels, yes. Well, I got high heels, too. <laughs> no, my dance shoes don't have that much. And in the tango, just a couple of lessons that I've had. It's been so much fun because I walk. And I stop, and then she does all that. Hey! No, we haven't learned the ganchos. You know what the ganchos are? That's where the guy's like this, and her leg goes, Whoa! Those are going to be dangerous, but i got to learn those. That's part of the tango. The reason I mention that is because women are amazing with the trust and with the faith and everything that they've got to put into it. It's not as easy for the women as it is for the men. We've got to learn some steps, but like I said, they're doing everything backwards and so much more. 
The reason I was thinking about that is because I was looking at the story of Deborah and Barak. And um, Deborah was a prophetess. Sat under a shade tree, a palm tree. One of the reasons they said she sat the only woman prophetess. I mean, just amazing lady. The reason they said that she probably sat under a palm tree is because the leaves face up on a palm tree. So prayers were being lifted up and all that. Can you imagine how beautiful that was? And she's the prophetess and she's, she's leading Israel. Everybody comes to her and they seek her counsel and, and she gives counsel and then all of a sudden she gets word that she has to send Barak out to fight Sisera. So she calls Barak over, and I'll read you some of that from the fourth chapter of Judges. After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to King Jabin of Hazor, the Canaanite king, the commander of his army, Sisera, who lived in all those cities. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who had become a judge in the land. She would hold court under the palm of Deborah, which stood between Ramah and Bethel, hill country. Oh, I like that, hill country. And um, one day she sent for Barak, son of, what's his name? And the Lord and the God of Israel commands you, assemble 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Nephtali and Zebulun, Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she said. I'll go with you, but since you have made this choice, you will receive no honor, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be in the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. At Kadesh, Barak called together all the tribes of Zebulun, Nephtali, and 10,000 warriors marched up, and Deborah also marched with them. The rest of the story goes that they came into the marsh with their big old chariots. Now, the Israelites had maybe bows and arrows and spears and stuff, but, but here comes this giant army full of chariots, tanks today. And they come in, and where they were led, they got stuck. Their chariots were so big and so heavy that they ended up getting stuck in the mud. So the Israelites just stood there and kind of Plucked them off one at a time. Sisera takes off running. Beat what you for. And he goes and he finds this one place where, where there's some tents and this one woman comes out, Jael. Jael comes out and she says, Oh, Sisera, you want to come into my tent? Guys, how does that sound? Right? Always. You want to come into my tent? Sure. So he goes into her tent. She feeds him. Oh, my goodness. He's just been running all this distance. He's exhausted. Somebody brings him into his tent. They feed him. So what does he do? He takes a nap. Ah. Anybody know what Jael does? Raise your hand. Don't say it. You know what Jael does? She picks up a tent Steak, grabs a hammer, and drives the stake through his temple. 
the tools of a man. The hammer, the nail. Kill Sisera. The woman, the prophetess, defeats his army. Women have a lot of power. I want to focus on a couple of words this morning, and they are power and strength. Power and strength. The word power, well, it's more of an abstract concept. The strength uh, can be. But let me share with you guys some of these ideas. Guys, when you want to make, when you want to build, when you want to get strong, what do you do? You work out. You lift weights, right? You get all buff and big. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everybody wants to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ah, well, used to, not anymore. Man, used to, back when I was young. Guys, you work out, and then you lift weights, and then you get bigger muscles, and you get stronger. That's strength. Ladies, <clears throat> you don't have to worry about it if you go to the gym and work out. You're never going to look like a guy. Don't let that stop you from working out. I hear so many women say, I'm not going to work out. I don't want to look like a guy. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Not unless you're taking steroids. Then that's a whole other story. You don't want to do that. You just get fit. But guys, you go out there and you work out and you get all this strength and you get all these muscles and you're all excited about this. Oh, yeah. You go home and pose for your wife. and she, But for all the strength you have in your home, who has the power? You get the difference? One is strength and one is power. Women in the Bible had power. Deborah had power. Jael had power. And they defeated the enemy that way. Now, Barak was smart. I used to belittle him because he went over there and he said, I'll go to battle, but will you hold my hand? Will you go with me? I thought that was hilarious until I realized that what he was doing was the smartest thing he could have done. He needed her. Because with her came the power of God. And that's what was going to give them the victory. If you look at other women in the Bible, let me give you an example of Adam and Eve. Who had the power there? When Satan came and he attacked, who did he tempt? These are not rhetorical questions you can answer. Who did he tempt? Eve. Why did he attack Eve or tempt Eve? Well, the answer is simple, because after Eve falls, she grabs the fruit and takes it to Adam, and he says, says here, eat. And what does Adam do? Duh. Right? Who had the power? <laughs> I love that. Feed him, okay. Samson and Delilah. Was Samson strong? Had a lot of strength? So Delilah says, come here, Samson, take a nap. What happened then? Everything is gone. Let's look at the New Testament. If you look at the New Testament and you look at the women 
on that day in history, when Jesus is crucified, with the exception of John, who's there? The women. Wow. They had so much power. Now, I keep looking at this and I keep thinking about it. The difference between power and strength. One is muscle, one is strong, and, and I'm going to trust in my guns. And in Zechariah, the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel said, Not by might nor strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The spirit is power. And there is the victory. I'm going to tell you a story in a second um, about learning what the difference between power and strength is. In 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, Paul also has this experience, difference between strength and power. 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, Paul is saying, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this away from me. That is the thorns that were in his side. His infirmity. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient to you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we have strength and muscle, and, and then we've got power and trust in God. It was 19... Okay, some of you are going to... What? Way back then? 1978. Anybody here remember? Now, remember, that was the 70s. Most of us who grew up then don't remember the 70s. It was a different time. 1978, I was in the Marine Corps. Any veterans here? Raise your hand if you're a veteran. Thank you for serving. Praise God. God bless you. Nineteen seventy-eight. I was in the Marines. Uh, I got sent on embassy duty, which is privilege. So I go on embassy duty, and they ask me to fill out this form of where I want to go. And I say, oh, I don't know. There's a place called Iran there. I'll try it. Anybody seen Argo? So I filled it out as my first choice, and believe it or not, I got my first choice. <laughs> I got sent to Iran in 1978. Arrived there in uh, October. It was already under martial law. We were being attacked all the time. And on February 14th, 1979, uh, the Mujahideen, the freedom fighters as they call themselves, had set up around the embassy. The embassy was down in the ground. and Some buildings and big compound. But all the big buildings were around the outside, kind of like that. And so they just set up their machine guns and started shooting in. We had been on standby for four days. The perimeter guard, which is supposed to be the local Iranians, had gone. So we had a handful of Marines guarding the whole compound. And they would give us a couple hours in the morning to go uh, shower, shave. You know what we did, right? And then come back down. The bullets sounded louder. And I realized that we were under heavy attack. 
So I went down this fire escape, bullets all around me, went to the back gate where we were on duty to get all the American personnel down into a classified area. We got all the American personnel. No, no Americans died, praise God. All of them went down into a classified area, and I was the last one at the back gate, and they told me, let us know when they hit the back gate. And so I was between these two crates, and I'd stick my head out, and then I'd put it in, nothing there, and then bullets would hit where my head was. I'd peek out again, nothing there. Oh. Then finally, I peeked out, and sure enough, the back gate was full of people attacking, trying to get over. So I called, I called in with my radio, and I said, hey, open the door, I'm coming in, they're back there. And so they opened the door, and I've got all my stuff, and I'm ready to run, and they close the door. Hey! Uh, they're shooting. Let us know when you get close, and then we'll open the door. <laughs> what? Okay. Now, I cheated. Because I told him I was there before I was there. I didn't want to wait. So I grabbed my stuff. I take off running, and as I'm running down there, feet, what you for? I'm flying, I think. But how fast are you going to fly with a helmet, flak jacket, a rifle, all the stuff? I'm running, and they, I say, I'm here. They opened the door, and I wasn't there, but they saw me coming. And they caught me before we went down a long flight of stairs. And the Marines that were there said, wow, it looked like a movie. Yeah? Yeah, you were running and the bullets were following you. I had had the training. I was young. I could run. I had the equipment. but I wasn't faster than a speeding bullet. And there were way too many people with guns shooting. It wasn't my strength. It wasn't my might. It wasn't my speed. It wasn't my training. It was the Spirit of God that saved me. I can almost imagine that finger of God following me across as I ran. God had other plans. And I think about that, and I remember that, and I realize there was nothing I could have done. I needed to trust in God, and believe me, I prayed with every fiber of my being, oh God, you got to get me through this. The only thing I had was one of the bullets when it hit near me. I got a little piece of lead in the palm of my hand. Oh, look, purple heart. No, no, thank you. I didn't want that. I think about that, and I think about the stories in the Bible and the women, because the women have realized that they didn't have the power back then. They were second class, third class, they were property, they were not listened to, yet you have these wonderful women that have found that in their weakness they are strong when they trust in God. I just had an experience this past Friday. friend of mine, she's a Zumba instructor, uh, kickboxing, 
you name it. She does it all. But on Friday, she was assaulted. I was talking to her mom. And her mom says, I want her to come home. She lives in North Texas, and her mom lives just on the other side of the border in Oklahoma. And I said, yeah, she needs to come home. And her mom tells me, oh, the police are leaving, you know, little time passes. And she said, no, she's not going to come home because she has some classes tomorrow that she's taking responsibility for. And she's going to do them. That's power. That's strength. That's trust in God. That man who assaulted me didn't beat me. That man didn't win. I am going to do what I have to do. Wow. I don't know. Sometimes we guys get a a cold and Oh, I gotta stay home. My toenail hurts. I gotta stay home. She was assaulted and she went and fulfilled her commitments. She's a Christian, a believer, has put her faith in God, and this didn't take away from it. Women, you're amazing. But, I hate that word, but, because it always means something else, right? Ooh, what? Sometimes, we want to be strong, and we want to do what other people are doing. I've done it a million times, I can do it. I can trust in my skill, I can trust in my strength, I can trust in what I've learned to do. And we forget to ask God to come and help whatever it is that we're doing. Even women sometimes forget to ask for help. Because we're going through these things, we're facing some battles, we're facing some issues that we're having to work through, and we think, I've done it before, I can do it again. Can you really? Isn't it that you didn't do it right the first time? That's why you're having to do it again? We're in the middle of football season. I mean, just starting football season. Uh, the fervor is already up. I live right downtown Austin, so there's traffic everywhere. Orange traffic for some reason. And if you think about football season, uh, you've got all these star players and you've got all these. Uh, now imagine... What would happen if the coach says, uh, let's keep the first string back and let's send the second string in? It's only Oklahoma. Does that make sense? Yet here we are trying to accomplish things, do the work that God has for us to do, even if it's a simple task, little things, and we're saying, Holy Spirit, you stay on the sidelines. I'll take care of this. I got it. 
if we begin to learn and trust that God wants to be in those little things, in those everyday things, in those struggles, in those wrestling matches that we have on a daily basis, maybe, maybe learning to trust in these little things will get us the power that we need for the big things. Have you had any issues that you've been having to deal with? Have you got anything that you're working through? Maybe it's something that seems trivial, trite, small. In fact, it seems so small that you just haven't bothered God with it. Isn't that amazing the way we say that? I don't want to bother God with this. When God is saying, let me in. I want to play. I want to be there. I want to help. Oh, that's all right. I got it. Maybe it's something to do with family, children, parents, marriage. I got it, God. Maybe it has something to do with work or finance. I got it. In all our daily situations, when we realize what Paul realized, that I can't do it alone. I need the help of God. He say, I want the Holy Spirit to guide me through this. Then that is when we begin to understand I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, who empowers, who enlightens, who guides, who resources all that I am. So what are you doing right now? What is it that you're working on right now? What are the projects that you've begun and the things in your life that are around you that you're, you're thinking, okay, I got this. Uh, wait, 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 take a step back. Would you? Take a step back. Have you invited God to be a part of this? Oh, but I've done it before. Uh. You're thinking in your relationships that something's just... Or you're thinking in your finances that... Uh. Whatever it is that you're struggling with this morning, I want to encourage you and I want to invite you to enter into the dance. You've been doing this. Now it's time to follow. And you don't have to be afraid because a good leader won't let you bump into other people, won't step on your toes, will catch you. And that is God in your life today if you will let God lead. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you. We thank you that in all the situations in our life, you are ready and willing to be a part. 
to lead, to guide. In this dance that we call life, we, we've, we've kind of wanted to push you back and tell you where to go. We ask for your forgiveness. And even in the little tiny steps, teach us to trust in you, to let you lead. And, and God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it for me, God, because I'm a guy and I'm not used to letting others lead, but, but I need to because you're God and I'm not. So as I go through this situation, whatever it may be, I need your help. I put it in your hands. Do the work that you've got prepared for that. And teach me to trust in your power. I praise you, Almighty God. I thank you, Almighty God. And together we worship and we adore you, Almighty God, for you are here and you are ready. Have you lifted up your concern before God yet? Have you taken it to God? Are you laying it at the altar right now? In obedience and trust. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.